Hello. Hi, guys. Welcome back. I'm Erin. And I'm Michelle. And this is Our, Our Energy. Energy. Episode six, take three. <laughs> I'm just going to say, <laughs> episode six, take three. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep, yep, yep. We cannot get it together, guys. Yeah, we've, we're struggling a little bit. Um, we got the wine going. <laughs> I think we... <laughs> we need more of it. We figured out what we're talking about. <laughs> Maybe we're on the same page. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, this is the last take. Oh my god! <laughs> I pray or I'm gonna start getting angry. <laughs> anyway, oh. so episode six. So we wanted to talk a little bit about like, what do you do as a nurse? Um, that's a question I get. Do you do you ever get asked that? Or I do. Yeah. 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 I feel like people a lot of times like don't want to ask it that way, but they'll kind of like subtly like. So, what do you, you know, like, so what do you do in a day-to-day kind of thing? Um, so, we wanted to kind of talk about, like, specific procedures that nurses do. Besides wiping assholes. Well, yeah, I don't really think of that as a procedure, but I guess it is. <laughs> Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. Good point. Um, I feel like I'm in that procedure for an hour. Yeah, yep, it happens. Anyways, um, hope you're not eating. Um, <laughs> or I hope you have a strong stomach. Yeah, if you're listening to if this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, I hope you're prepared. Yeah, I mean, you should be. You should know. I'm actually eating right now. Something brown and talking about poop doesn't bother me. Yeah. Well, I mean, chocolate's great. But anyways, as she takes a bite of chocolate, just like staring at me. <laughs> Um, so we want to talk about procedures that nurses do, because these are things that maybe you don't realize nurses do them. Um, I know some of these things I didn't realize that nurses did before I got into nursing school. Um, I don't know who I thought did them. (laughs) Maybe a doctor, maybe like a special tech for that area, maybe a phlebotomist. I feel like I felt like CNAs were nurses before I knew anything. Like, I didn't really like differentiate roles. Yeah, I didn't know what a CNA also, was until... Yeah, and also, like, the uh-huh. TV. I assume the doctor right. is always at the bedside, which yes. is a complete lie. Yes. I've never... I mean, they are yes. at the bedside for a minute. For a minute during the day. Never, ever has a doctor ever helped transfer a patient, get a patient out of bed, mm-hmm. walk to patient, change to patient. Oh, my God. I had my first experience <laughs> where we walked into a room because the IV pump was beeping. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like, the line was occluded. Like... That happens if like a patient bends their arm and they have mm-hmm. an IV in, and there was a doctor talking to her to her to the patient, and he was like, "I don't know what to do. What do I do?" And it was just like, "This is like classic example of what they teach us in nursing school yeah. that like doctors don't know what the fuck mm-hmm. goes on." <laughs> doctors are in great. The, yes, if you're a doctor listening to this, we deeply appreciate you. I, no, I don't a, get me wrong. There's so much great that they do, but they what we were like told that happens in nursing school, and that's a common misconception as far as TV shows and stuff, is that like. Doctors don't necessarily know what goes on in the room. And or like, the, they never at the work bedside. at the bedside. This yeah. is why I love a nurse practitioner. Yes, and that's mm-hmm. why I am hoping to be a nurse practitioner someday, but that's, you know, that's another that's another podcast. Um, My main doctor. Maybe next week, we'll listen. Is yeah. a nurse practitioner. So. Yeah. no, or my provider. They, yeah, your that. main provider. Nurse practitioners are the best. I mm-hmm. have already gotten to see the difference between working with a nurse practitioner in the hospital versus working with oh, a yeah, hospitalist. Oh, so and much more caring. Yes, and they just they just know, they just get it. Mm-hmm, because they've worked at the bedside so long. Yes, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, a lot of times, like, we were talking about this, actually, at my first shift, that, like, there's a lot of things that doctors maybe don't 
think of as much as nurses do as far as like like we were talking about how it wasn't at our hospital but a nurse I was talking to who works at two hospitals was talking about how like just the other day she had a doctor who like ordered um an um an MRI with contrast and the patient was on metformin and like that's like an NCLEX question Mm -hmm. that you like can't do and like I feel like for nurses it's like metformin yeah Mm -hmm. it's like drilled into our brain but she's like no like I had to call this doctor like twice like and like page him to be like you can't do this. <laughs> and it's not that, like, doctors purposely make those mistakes. They no. have a lot of other things on their plate. Totally. And just the – and a nurse practitioner is, like, the same level as a physician's assistant. No, they're actually higher. Oh, they are? Okay. Yeah, because – um, sorry, I didn't mean to, like, no, cut no, you off there. Good, you're good. I just got really excited because I actually just was, like, talking about this. Um, because a physician's assistant has to work under a doctor. They have to get everything approved oh, by yeah. the doctor. And in Washington State, nurse practitioners don't have to. Yeah, I think it's universal. Oh, it is. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, nurse practitioners don't have to get anything approved. They are their own. They they can prescribe. It's a doctorate in nursing, whereas a PA is you're you're just yes. an assistant. Okay, like, I think I was thinking previously because back in like probably 2013, nurses nurse practitioners just needed their masters, and now they have to get their doctorate. Oh, okay. In some states, they I still, can't speak to that. I don't know about that. In some <laughs> states, they still can just have their masters. Those nurse practitioners have to work under doctors. You sure? Yeah. Because, okay. like, in um, Washington, it's been mm-hmm. that you need your doctorate. And Washington has very, like, loose. I don't want to call it loose, but that's the only way I'm going to be able to describe it. But, like, nurse practitioners in Washington can do a lot more than a nurse practitioner in New York as far as, like, practice. But, um, like, back in the day, nurse practitioners used to have to work at least in Washington, if you were a nurse practitioner, you used, if you wanted to prescribe opioids, then you had to work under a doctor. Okay, I see here. Yeah, I was just looking it up. It is state by state. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that. So Washington State, yes, nurse practitioners um, are completely independent. You can have your own practice. Don't need anything mm-hmm. reviewed or looked over with the doctor. You don't need to work jointly with a and doctor. And because they have their doctorate, yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that. So. so I guess the difference between a doctor and a nurse practitioner would be that a lot of times a doctor has gone through their residency for nine years. Also, the pay is yeah. different. Yeah. But um, most, most time nurse practitioners do not have to go through a residency. You go through your own nursing residency, and then you get all this other stuff. Yeah, because you've, like, already done a residency of some sort by the time you get to the nurse practitioner. And that's why a lot of people really love um, nurse practitioners because most, not all, there are some degrees where you can jump straight into being a nurse mm-hmm. practitioner, which that's a whole other story. Um, I think we'll probably discuss that later. But um, most nurse practitioners have worked at the bedside as an RN. And mm-hmm. so then when they are delegating things to RNs, they know from a firsthand experience what that RN is experiencing, what they are looking for, Mm -hmm. what it's going to be like for that patient, and what it's going to be like for that RN taking care of that patient. And I just feel like it just brings – it's a whole – what's the word? I'm, like, making a circular motion with my hands right now. Like, it's just – it encompasses so much more to the care than just a prescription and, you know, I feel like the – uh, nurse practitioners are really able to it's see more from like all patient aspects. focus yes patient centered care yeah, pac- that's what I was patient centered care yeah as opposed mm-hmm. to like um disease centered care yeah um where like a doctor 
anyways, we're getting off on something we that are we getting off on a we're not going to talk about. So we'll probably talk about that more later. Episode. But <laughs> just so you know, if we ever talk, a DNP is the Doctorate of Nurse Practitioners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so an NP is a nurse practitioner. Um, so yeah, so just going back to these things, these are things that maybe I just assumed that one of them was doing, but I didn't realize. Nope, these are things that are in the scope of an RN. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them I knew, some of them I like starting IVs, but some of them I didn't like NGs. Um, so yeah, so let's start off with the first one here. We are going to talk about NG tube. NG tube, so nasal gastric, nasogastric. Um, so that, as you can probably figure out, goes through your nose and down to your stomach. And so within, we're just saying NG tubes, but. They can also be NJ tubes, which is naso It's a different kind of tube. Can't can't say it. I can spell it. Can't say it. Um, it goes down to your small intestine. So it, go, it just it goes further down than the stomach. Um, it's a tube that goes in, goes through your nose, down your throat, and into your stomach or further, depending on what you are having it for. So, but not all the way down to your butt. No. That would no. Um, that would be for the clarification. <laughs> Sorry, that would I defeat just, the purpose. I literally just pictured a tube coming out your butt. Yeah, that would uh, literally defeat the purpose. Because the purpose of them is um, so you can have them on suction, um, which usually they are on intermittent suction, so only some of the time. Um, and then also you can put things through them. So if someone is NPO, which is nothing by mouth, it's um, Latin, so it's not NBO. It's NP, as in Peter. And PO, um, it's another nursing term for you. Um, you can put you guys could see her face. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can put nutrition through the NG tube. So whether that's um, uh, parental nutrition or like I've seen I've seen orders to put like Insure mm. through it. Um, Sorry guys, that's my phone. <laughs> different <laughs> things. Um, so you you can do it that way, and then also for suction, if you need to keep the stomach contents if you need to keep the stomach free of all stomach contents um that's when you would have it on suction so you might need it if you have a bowel obstruction or if you have a gi bleed gi bleed that would be another one um if you had surgery yeah certain surgeries um especially like um invasive ones on the abdomen you might need it um just if you're like yeah, especially if you've had like a, you might, I could potentially see someone getting it if they had like, um, sur- like any kind of chest, sur- like a sternal surgery yeah. where they needed to keep their, they needed to not be making the constant like coughing or mm-hmm. the throwing up because it's mm-hmm. to keep you from doing all that stuff. Yes. It sucks all the contents out. Yes, it can. And, um... Yeah, a lot of times you'll get them just if someone's not able to eat, you'll get them. So, you know, sometimes they have them in eating disorder clinics. You know, someone is not taking in as much nutrition as they can. They'll put an NG tube in. Um, You see a lot of babies with NG tubes, you know, if they're not able to to eat yet, Mm -hmm. um, get that nutrition in them. Um, So, yeah, so that's something that I didn't really – I don't think I just ever – honestly, I don't think I ever thought about it. I didn't really know what an NG tube was until nursing school. Like, I'd kind of seen – I think I've seen it like on TV and stuff, but I never, I'd never thought about it before um, nursing school. Are you laughing at me? Uh, no, I'm just thinking about like when you see things on TV yeah. and then you like, it's like, oh my God, that's on completely backwards. Yeah. <laughs> For real. And I'm like, 
How is that working? Yes. I'm also looking at my cat and his very furry toes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's something. Oh, Harley. <laughs> Harley's sleeping, guys. Yeah, she's snoring. He's real cute. Um, so that's something that nurses do. And so it's something we learned in nursing school. We got checked off on. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've done it a million times on mannequins, but I have not yeah, yet not done it on a person. Close to doing it on a person. I don't think it's anywhere near the same. No, of the course not. The thing about the human body is that, like, we learn about it one way, mm-hmm. but then it's, like, totally different. Like, mm. I feel like things are not where they're supposed to be. It's not that easy <laughs> to see it. Well, plus, everybody's body is different. Yeah. So, like, for me, like, I know I have a deviated septum. So, like, I know, like, Hopefully, I'll never need an NG tube, but if I did, it would probably be a nightmare getting in. Lovely. And, like, that's not something that <laughs> that's not something you, like, talk about, really, or learn. Well, I mean, in nursing school, like, we're learned, to, we're told to ask, like, have you had any surgeries on one of your nares? Do you have a preference for which nair we go through? Nair being, like, the singular of your nostril. <laughs> yeah, just... One side of your nostril. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so basically, you... Should we talk about, like, what what you do? Just, like, real quick. Yeah. Go for it. I mean. Okay. Yeah. So, basically, you take this tube, right? It's a sterile procedure. Um, so, you know, after doing all your hand hygiene and putting on sterile gloves and all that, you lube up this NG tube. You have them kind of sit with their head back a little bit. You put it in their nose. You advance it. And then, basically, once it gets to the back of their throat, that's usually, like, if they're awake and conscious. And if they're able to have something by mouth, because... A lot of times you'll be putting in NG tube if they're NPO, and so you can't do this stuff. But if they can have something by mouth, you can have them have a sip of water because you want to get them, like, doing that swallowing motion, and that helps get the tube down. And you advance it down, and this is where they always teach you in nursing school that if they start having, like, a coughing fit, you went down the wrong pipe. and You went into the lungs. It, yeah, you went into the lungs. And so pull it back a little bit and get it back back you know get it out of the trachea and uh advance it down the esophagus some more and then after that it's pretty smooth sailing and you advance it they teach you how to measure so you know until what point you should be advancing it in you're not just kind of going blind um you go from the ear to the nose to the xiphoid process you can look that up if you want um if you don't give a fuck that's cool too (laughs) And then you usually mark that off with tape or you uh, mark it with a Sharpie. And so you advance until you get to that spot and then you secure it to their nose and their face depending on how your hospital does it. We talked earlier, Michelle, you said some people at your hospital get bridles. Mm -hmm. um, That goes like behind the nose. We did our misdiagnosis. It weirds (laughs) me out just thinking about it going back that far. It is. It is. That is very far back. Um, And so you secure it in some way and then... If you are giving anything through it, so if you are going to be giving any nutrition, um, you need to get um, an Mm x-ray and you need to make sure it's in the right spot. If you're just using it for suction, it depends on your hospital policy, but if you're just using it for suction, usually you can just pull some contents out of the tube um, and test it on a pH strip and it'll show you, you can tell if it's in the stomach or not, um, depending on what the acidity is. Pretty much at that point, you just got to refer to what whatever your hospital policy is. Every mm-hmm. hospital is different. Sometimes you need a double check. Sometimes you need a triple check. It's it's a it's a thing. You got to look it up. Um, but that's the general idea of an NG tube and generally how you do it. And that's something that nurses do. Yes, we do. We also remove them. 
Yeah, we also removed them. That was like a big long piece of spaghetti coming out the nose. I That's was, what a lot of removals are, actually. Catheters, IVs, you pull it out, it's just like a limp piece of spaghetti coming out of the body. <laughs> yep. Like that visual. <laughs> <laughs> so what's something else we do, Michelle? Um, what else do we do? We also fully catheters. I've done about 8,000 of those in my life, I feel like. Really? On, pe- on people? Yeah, I feel like I've done a million of them. I, I not- am literally the V whisperer. You should know that it is more difficult than you would think to find the correct hole. That's what everybody says. I don't agree, but... Have you put in a lot of them? I have not put any in, on a person, especially an overweight person. But I'm also person. bisexual, so I feel like I can uh, navigate that area a little bit better. I feel like it's a lot harder than you think. Was that TMI? I, think that was I TMI. mean, it was, but it's fine, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It um, is. But yeah, so I am the V whisperer. You can put a Foley catheter in. Mostly what I do is... Um, Straight calves. We do a lot of straight calves. Okay. For people who are... I've helped with a lot of these, so I've seen them up close and personal. And that's why I feel like it wouldn't be hard for me, because every time I've helped, I have seen... I've been with a male nurse before who has missed, and I'm just like, really? You find the right hole, buddy. Well, like, and I'm staring right at it. I'm like, come on. (laughs) The vagina? (laughs) The way you say that? (laughs) Vagina? (laughs) The two holes are literally one on top of the other. So also, it could be difficult to find. Also, most patients who are in the hospital are super overweight, and you're like, and there's nothing wrong with that. But just physically, it makes it more difficult to find, especially if they've had children. Also, they're anything. mostly old. Yes. I was going to say, like, there's yeah. a lot more, like, loose baggage. Yeah. So you like, got to hold things to the side, and it's sterile. Mm-hmm. So, like, once you've made that one hand dirty, you still have to keep the other hand sterile. Yeah. Because, so you can't use both hands to hold things open. Exactly. And you need a tech or another nurse yeah, or someone in there. Yeah, you're not getting, like, you're getting... You're furry. You're spreading things. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of hair. I just know, like, yeah. sometimes when I'm doing a straight cath, it's on a patient who, this is definitely going to be TMI, I guess. Yeah. But it's on a patient who's incontinent. And normally, right. they've been incontinent of both bowel and bladder. Yes. And so, even though I am, I have a, a belief that you need two clean wipes mm-hmm. before it's actually clean, which means you need to wipe off twice clean mm-hmm. when you're cleaning up someone's poop. Mm-hmm. I have found that not everyone is of that belief. Yes. So a lot of times I open up the vagina area and there's poop up in there. Yeah. So, and there's poop in the hair. It's... That's gross. Especially if that if they've that gritty poo. Oh, shit. Yeah. That, that happens all the time. I'm the very poo. thankful I have not encountered that no yeah yeah i mean it happens like when 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 before we've cleaned them up but i've been very lucky that i have not yet encountered after they've been cleaned up i feel like everybody's done a pretty good job but i also it's been a little bit since i've worked with someone who was fully incontinent um okay i work with a lot of patients who are fully incontinent gotcha especially like if they're if they have liver failure right um high ammonia levels stuff like that you know so anyways no, totally. And I mean, and you can, it is also possible that someone cleaned them up and they just had a little bit of, you know, trickle down. Um, Into the vagina? I mean, depending. Yeah, <laughs> probably not likely. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say. I was trying to defend whoever. It's likely but yeah, that that's right. CNA, who I love CNAs. I was a CNA for two years. Yeah. But I do know that I made sure to clean every 
freaking crevice. There are some people who don't care You as need much. to yeah. get into every crevice, guys. Yeah. CNAs, listen up. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. It's very true, because, I mean, that's how you, that's, that's step number one, how you're going to prevent getting any, getting mm-hmm, a UTI. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, fully. So, I, I've assisted with a lot. I have not yet done one as a nurse. I'm really excited to do my first one. I'm smiling at you, not at this. Guys, I'm watching oh, okay. the Seahawks game at the same time. Yeah. So if I get excited at any point, which most likely I won't because they're currently freaking losing. <laughs> <laughs> this is November 4th, by the way. We're recording a little bit early. We so. like to record ahead of time because yeah. we don't want our whole lives to revolve around this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and we're getting pretty busy with residency. So mm-hmm. when we have a day to record, we're kind of knocking it out. Um, but yeah, so... Well, you're the expert. You've done them. So why don't you... Why, okay, so why would someone need a Foley? Uh, lots of reasons. Versus, okay, let me back up. Why would someone need a Foley versus a straight in and, in and out? And also, what what the hell does Foley mean? Because that nobody explained that to me in nursing school. I looked that up and I was like, oh, Foley's a brand. Oh, okay. So Foley is a brand. Like, a lot of hospitals are kind of pushing the people to say, like, urethral... Um, oh my god! Catheter. I would never say that. I know nobody does. It's a Foley. Catheter. Yeah, exactly. But Foley is the brand. It's like saying Kleenex instead of tissue. Um, but because technically IVs are catheters, but yes. when you hear catheter, you catheter just means it's a tube. Mm-hmm. So like it, it's an NG catheter. It's an IV catheter. It's a Foley catheter. catheter. But when you hear catheter, you immediately think of the urinal. Yeah. The urine. The ure, urethral. 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 Jeez, get it together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so reasons that someone would need a Foley. I can think of, so if they, they might need a straight cath if you needed to get a UA. Um, urine analysis. Yep. On someone that is normally incontinent. Mm-hmm. Um, Can't have them pee into a cup if they're not controlling their they're pee. they're everywhere, yeah. Yeah. You want they're peeing That's a better way to put it. I like it. Um, <laughs> Or, like, at my hospital, we have a... You get for babies, too. Mm-hmm. For babies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't normally work with babies. Right. Um, but, like, at my hospital, if you... We bladder scan people all the time. It's really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a little machine. You just... It's, you know... It's mm-hmm. like an ultrasound yeah. of your bladder. It tells you it how is, much... Yeah. yeah. It tells you how much is in there. Mm-hmm. If Those are fun. Has, yeah. We use them all the time. I did them... That was, like, my number one duty, like, as a tech. I felt like... I mean... Not my number one duty, but I felt like I was doing them all the all time, the time yeah. as a tech because I just, especially in my home floor, I had a lot of patients who would retain, and so it was like, okay, every two hours you gotta check beds, you know, one, two, and three mm-hmm. on their um, bladder scans, and then also like if someone's getting close, you know, if you haven't peed in so long, you know, then you have to keep doing them like hourly if they're getting close to that. Like every hospital has a different number that like if they're retaining more than. 400. Usually, yeah, I was going to say 400 milliliters or cc's. Um, if you have more than 400, that's when you need to do the straight cath because it's not good for you. It's, yeah, uh, a lot you of things can start going wrong. <laughs> yeah, you can think of your bladder as a balloon. Mm-hmm. And you normally can fit, like, up to a 1,000. Like, that is what you really want to put max in there. Mm-hmm. I've seen so much more. Yeah. Um, Technically, like, it can explode, yes, though. Like, that's you, what yeah. yeah, that's what I was getting at. Is oh, if sorry. It's, no, no, you're good. <laughs> if it's, like, if you just keep filling it, it's gonna burst, yeah. and then you have a problem for life. And then you're yeah, and then you're gonna be septic. Like there's so many, well, so many things that can yeah, happen. yes, not necessarily septic because 
urine is sterile, but not everything in the bladder and around the bladder. Well, is and if you've been retaining for a long time, you're probably urine. have a UTI yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was thinking. People like reasons that people might yes might not be able. <laughs> sorry, guys, they just miss and that made me happy. No extra point for you, bitches. <laughs> okay, back to nursing. <laughs> Reasons people might get it is um, like a Foley. So if you've been bladder scanned and you have over 400, normally we'll straight cath you because we'll normally straight cath you twice before we put a Foley in. Yeah. That's like the generic order set at my work. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. or like, Meaning like the third time you'd get a Foley instead of a straight The third time you get a Foley. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Same here. Um, it used to be normal practice that everybody would get a Foley when they had surgery. That's no longer the normal practice. If you can mm-hmm. hold your pee overnight, then they assume that you can probably hold your pee for a um, surgery and then mm-hmm. return to normal voiding schedule afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've when you put a Foley in, it's yeah. it's pretty much just as it sounds. You put the tube up the urethral hole, mm-hmm. um, lube it up, lube it up. And this is after, you know, we're going past, it's your sterile clean. procedure. It's so you, sterile, you're, yeah. You're cleaning the urethra, you're cleaning your hands, you're putting on sterile gloves, you're doing all those things. But yeah. Yeah. It's all very clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I normally have people frog leg it, so mm-hmm. put their knees up, which is difficult because normally it's an older patient. You only do that for women though, right? Yeah. Yeah. For a man, I just have them lay down. Yeah. And I prefer, they... Try their best not to clench because once you start clenching, mm-hmm. that is when things start going very slow and yeah. more painful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then lube it up, put it in, wait for pee to come out, and then pull back a little and. Well, yeah, you gotta um, go in. A then you farther. inflate inflate the balloon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I remember one time. I don't know if I've told you guys the story yet. Maybe. I don't think so. The one time I got exposed, and now I have to get tested for hep- hepatitis. No, you never told this okay. story. Okay. Um, so I've been exposed, not by a needle stick, but just because I always have scratches on my arm because I have a very loving cat, <laughs> and I also have eczema. So um, anyways, this is when I was a CNA, and I walked into a patient room, and he was sitting there, and he had removed his Foley. So a Foley. Happens so often. Yes, but it was completely intact, oh. and it was a man. So I want you to imagine this. You, It's like a pencil with a balloon at the end. Like, that would be the width around is like a pencil. Mm-hmm. The, uh, in general, that's how big they are. Yeah. So it goes up the hole. Then once you get to the top of the hole, you get to the bladder, you mm-hmm. inflate the balloon. With with water. With mm-hmm. Yeah, with water, and then it stays inflated. That's how it stays in place. And it's like a little, think of like a little bobble, you know, like that you see like, um, what do you call it, on, on fishing poles? What or, or what do you call oh, those? Yeah, yeah, the little balls. Yeah, what do you call those? I that have no float? Idea. Oh my god, it's. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe when you fish and you got that little. Oh, what's it called? That little like floating thing. Think of that in your bladder. Yeah, that's, so it that, holds it in your. It bladder. holds it in place. And so when and so you we, pull it out, you, you would remove you, the water first. Yeah, you, the first step when you're removing is you pull out. All the, all the water. water. And then it can simply slide out. Exactly. Basically. And then it's just like the spaghetti like we talked about. Yep. It's not painful, just a weird feeling. Yeah. So, um, although I don't know that for sure. I've never had a Foley catheter. Yeah. But. Um, I've never heard of pain on the removal though. No, it's just a really if weird you, sensation. If you, have, if you let a nurse remove it and you don't rip it out yourself. Yeah. Because if you have that thing inflated, 
you're stretching your whole urethra. And let me tell you, I've seen it happen three times as a tech. Let me tell you, there is so much blood. That is a very vascular mm-hmm. area. Very, very bloody. So basically, don't remove it. So you walked into the room and he removed it? Yes. Uh, it was a patient who had very high ammonia levels. So they were, they had um, Means they're encephal- confused. encephalopathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he had woke up like for a minute, came to, thought he had to pee. So he was like trying to, you know, grab his penis oh, no. to put it somewhere. And he wasn't sure what was going on. So he just like ripped it out. No. And the thing was, is it had like been bleeding. And then I walked in and it had stopped bleeding. And then he decided he, and there was like blood everywhere. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, I need help. Yeah. And um, they had, um, it was done bleeding. And then we got everything kind of situated. It was then he had to pee. Yeah. And as he peed, he peed a clot. Yeah. Oh, yep. And Mm -hmm. the clot, like, it just made, like, this projectile water fountain of blood. It was, like, mostly blood. And it got all over me. I had to change my scrubs. Got all over me. All over my arms. On my chest. Like, to get in your face. It got in my hair. It was gross. It was... And I had to work through. This was in the very beginning of my shift. No. And so I had to continue working. And I was freaking out because this person was, like, they have hepatitis C. Yeah. And so now I have to get hep- I have to get tested for hepatitis hepatitis C every three months mm-hmm. for like six months or a year or something yeah. like that. So so far I do not have it. Praise Jesus. Yeah. But I still have one more test to go. Oh my god. But yeah. So don't ever pull it out. Oh my god. I can't even. And it was just, like, I had to, like, put pressure on it because yeah. it, like, wouldn't stop bleeding. Oh, no. And it was just cascading out of... Did he need a CBI after that? Um, no, he did not. Really? Mm-mm. All three times that I saw him, they needed CBI. So that's um, continuous bladder irrigation. And it's, like, think of an IV pole, but with, like, the bag Maybe is he three did, liters. Yeah. Okay. The bag is three. If it's, if it's two, like, if he was having clots and stuff, they might... No, I think they still do it. I don't know. but um, I didn't have it in the next day. This okay. was on my Friday, so I don't really see what happened. But that gotcha. shift, I did not do a CBI, no. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because both, all three times I saw it, they did it, like, right away. But, you know, different policies, whatever. But it's, like, think of, like, an IV pole, but it's, like, going into the urethra. Um, and it's, like, a three-liter bag of fluid. It just keeps fluid, putting and it's fluid just continuous. through. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's continuous bladder irrigation. You're always peeing. Yeah, and it, the liquid that comes out looks like red Kool-Aid, mm-hmm. and you got to empty it. The tech has to empty it. With a million times yeah. a shift. Yeah, like, at least once an hour. Because um, that holy bag is going to just keep filling up. And, yeah. It's a nightmare. So, anyways, that's Foley's. We've Those talked about Foley's. Foley's for quite a while. Yeah, we have. Um, um IV's. IVs. So yeah, IVs. we do central lines and IVs. Mm-hmm. So those are two kinds of. That's one. A central line is an IV, basically. It's all a catheter. Yeah, they're all catheters. So a central line is going to go directly to the heart. Mm-hmm. So this is not something that just a normal RN would do. You do need some extra training to to do central lines. And so like at my hospital, you have a stat nurse who does them. And so I'm not exactly sure, like, if it's, like, a course or what they do for their training for central lines. Um, but I know, like, just we wouldn't on the floor, like. Put them in? Yeah. We yeah. wouldn't be putting them in. But we care for them. Mm-hmm. But we wouldn't just, like, put them in. Um, is yours the same? Yeah, we don't put them in. In fact, even to touch them at all. Um, I mean, not doing, well, blood draws, yeah. But, like, any kind of um, changing of the 
dressing, mm-hmm. we like to have someone specially certified. Oh. Just because it's, like, so, you know. Yeah. It's right to the heart. You you can, there's a lot of risk for infection. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing I wanted to add in about Foley's that I forgot to that I was going to say is that, like, um, there's usually a big push to, like, not have Foley's and to get, like, if you if you do put it in a Foley, you want to get it out as soon as possible. That being said, Foley's can be life-changing and are great for some people, but you have a higher risk of infection, mm-hmm. you know. It's, and it's, it's a direct line right into your body, into your bladder. So. And it's better to have, like, multiple straight calves as opposed to a Foley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I know some people love their Foley catheters. Yeah. I have some patients who I'm like, because it's like a nurse can uh, discontinue a Foley, like the order for it, uh-huh. at least at my hospital. Mine too. Yeah. I think like that's becoming a thing. Nurses, CNAs want can actually to... take them out. Like at my hospital, CNAs can take out a Foley. Oh, okay. That's a CNA job. Uh-huh. So, I used to take them out all the time. It's yeah. fine. But um, a nurse can discontinue it, and there's a push for a nurse to, to discontinue it, because if you think about it, it's like a hose. And a hose starts to get growth on the outside, yeah. and it's just a warm, moist, nasty place. Yeah. And I mean, you're doing catheter care, you're cleaning as much as possible, but, but you're not getting it clean enough. Exactly. <laughs> it is It is a direct line. So like, you know, they have a big push, like if we do a Foley, we have to tell them all the risks, you know, like with anything, yeah. but you know, you have to really like t- be sure that you're, because especially with people, they were trying to like explain to us, like, you know, like you were saying, there's a lot of people, especially who maybe... Um, get Foley's often when they're in the mm-hmm. hospital, whether they, yeah, are incontinent or, or not very mobile or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just want to throw that out. So that goes back with central lines too. Anytime you have a direct line anywhere, you're at a greater risk for infection. So central lines are especially high risk because it's going directly to your heart. So mm-hmm. central lines, you can have a central line and you can have a pick, which is a peripherally inserted central catheter. Um, and so a central line technically is going to be like right by your like collarbone ish. And then a pick line, a PICC line is going to be like in the middle of your upper arm ish. <laughs> so very technical terms. Um, but they go directly to your heart. So you need to be extra, extra diligent about keeping those clean, you know, sanitizing those lines, putting, um, we, we put dual caps on ours, you know, which are, like, those caps that are impregnated with um, chlorhexidine that, like, gets kept on the end of the lines. Like, you want to do everything you can to keep that sterile, keep that clean. Um, so, for me, as an RN, I won't be inserting central lines anytime soon, but um, we do blood draws on a central line. So, if anybody has a central line, you can just draw blood from that easy. So, um you know, you don't want to stick them unnecessarily. So anybody who has a central line does not need to get poked for if they're getting blood labs. So at our hospital, they'll have a sign on their door that says RN draw only um, with like a big like cartoon like blood drop. <laughs> and that's so the phlebotomists know like if they have lab orders to skip that room and that the um, nurse will draw it. So that's something we get trained on because it is a little bit of a different process. You're you're doing like a flush and then you're pulling back and you're wasting and then you're doing the blood draw and then it's a process. Um, but yeah, IVs. So then we also insert IVs and we take care of IVs. So we do flushes. So if you've ever had an IV, if you've ever been in a hospital, if you've ever had an IV and then like if you're not getting something continuous, continuously, I'm saying that weird. Yeah, you're saying it right. Okay, it just sounds weird to me. Um, <laughs> you you know, they, you discontinue it, you cap it, and then you have the 
the IV catheter sticking out your arm, but it's not connected to, you know, an IV pull, an IV bag. And um, if you have that, you need to flush it every couple of hours, usually every four hours, um, to make sure that it's still working and that you're keeping that line open. Um, Because a lot of times, like if you're in the emergency department or something, if you don't need something run continuously, they're gonna want IV access in you in case something does happen and they need to push the meds or they need to hook you up to something. And so you need to make sure it's open. So when they say, a flush. Um, so this is like something that's like just a common routine, you know, every four hour thing for nurses to do. If you have someone who has an IV where they're not getting something continuous through it, um, you go and flush it usually every four hours and it's a syringe full of normal saline. Um, so just like you, what you would get in an IV bag. Usually the flushes are 10 millimeters, 10, um, sorry, milliliters or cc's. Uh, and usually you only need to do three three cc's to do a flush it's kind of kind of depends on the catheter how it's been working you got to use a little bit of nursing judgment but i would say three is about the average is that usually what you do i do 10 really yeah i always just do the whole thing i mean they come in 10 cc's most yeah normal saline like the pre-filled syringes always have 10 so i just put 10 in okay not gonna hurt anyone so um normal saline is just water with salt yeah basically so yeah it's fine okay yeah most people need salt anyways <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, I mean it's nursing judgment what you know what you're gonna do um so that's something that you know nurses do that techs cannot do and that doctors don't do since they're not bedside um and, and they're then, not normally trained yeah so throw that out there yeah and then um inserting ivs so i still have not been able to do this on a real person yet um my first shift i I had one person who did need a new IV because their old one infiltrated, um, but they are very hard poke, and so they requested um, the stat team and, like, ultrasound guided, so I didn't do it. And then during my senior practicum at Children's, um, it's they have an IV team do it, so I was not allowed to do any. Um, but I know you've done some. I have. Yeah. I did some during my senior practicum. So cool. I can't wait to do it. Um. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the hardest part is just going through the skin. Yeah, so you, you palpate, you find the vein. Yeah, you should do it with your eyes closed because the first thing is, is like most people are dehydrated. Yeah. I mean, they're normally getting fluids, but they're normally dehydrated. You want to so. open up your eyes like once you actually oh, yeah, stick yeah, yeah, the needle yeah. in. But finding, finding I have a friend <laughs> who um, is like a nuclear, whatever you want, scientist, whatever. Okay. She does stuff with... um. Like, she puts IVs in all day long. And mm-hmm. the number one thing she told me, because I was, like, nervous about putting IVs in, she was, like, just feel. Mm-hmm. Don't look. Because people's, like, you can look and see people's veins Thanks. all the time. But, like, it's best to close your eyes and feel because you're not going to always be able to see. And if you learn just by feel instead of by sight, you will be able to get the IV more often. You'll be able to get it in more often. So I normally wrap people's arms up with um, warm blankets. That's smart. Have them do a lot of pumping with their fists. Uh-huh. Um, and then also make sure there's, um, I don't know about your guys' IV kits, but our kits come with like the, um, it's like a little cleaner that you squeeze. Chlorhexidine that you squeeze. Yeah. yeah, but it's not just chlorhexidine. It actually has something in it that makes the veins 
come to the surface more. Oh. So you do a basket weave motion of, you know, you go mm-hmm. up and then you go to the side, 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 up to the side, side, side. And oh. actually like using, a lot of people don't like to use that because they just assume it's just some kind of cleaner. But yeah. that actually has something that helps the veins become more clear if you are going by sight. Huh. Um, and so it's good to do that and do a good amount of scrubbing because the scrubbing, not yeah. too hard, but the, the agitation can help things come to the surface. I wonder if we use the same thing because I think it's like the little white wand yeah, and, you just and then you squeeze, squeeze the side yeah, of it. It's the same That's thing. what we use. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it it has something in it that um, helps it. I, okay. I just did an IV the other day that I did not successfully get. Yeah. So we have like a... T- three stick rule or something or maybe a two stick okay so like you get three tries yeah and then one other person on the floor can try three times and then you have to go get someone who's better at ivs you can either call the iv team our iv team we don't have um what are they called phlebotomists at Uh my hospital oh Um, all of our lab people are nurses so that's also our um, IV team. Okay, yeah, ours is not that oh, way. Okay, yeah. So you can call the IV team, or you can call someone who, like, if you're on the night shift, we don't always have an IV team there available. We don't have as many, so then you can just call a nurse from another floor. But um, okay. yeah, so I've gotten I think four or five successful ones. Nice. Um, and one, two, and three unsuccessful. So. So how when you were unsuccessful, did you blow the vein? Did you just no. not get to it? Um, like, how did you know that you were unsuccessful? Just that you just didn't get blood returned? I didn't or get like, blood returned. So, uh-huh. like, the one I did just the other day, um, the thing is, is that when you have, no offense to patients, mm-hmm. I understand. I'm terrified of needles. I've always been terrified of needles. Yeah. But I can get poked all day long. I just have become used to it. I get the same anxiety that a lot of people get. I know it's, like, it's scary. Yeah. But you need to remain calm because as soon as someone starts freaking out, your veins will literally run away. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. They will go, yeah. it's like they suck down. Mm-hmm. And so I like got it into where the vein was. Yeah. And as soon as I got through the skin, she was like wiggling and ah, being very <laughs> fucking dramatic. Sorry, oh. excuse my French. But I really like was like, she was being overly dramatic because okay. her actual, we were putting a new one in. Yeah. Because she said her other one was bad, but like. Yeah. It was only when she was looking at it, it was bad because it was uh, like running continuously uh, and it was fine. But then the nurse came in and like put some, something in and did a flush. Yeah. And all of a sudden she was like freaking out about how much it hurt. But oh. then when you let the continuous continue to run, yeah. she was fine. Okay. So it was so like probably more anxiety. I think than... it was a little bit behavioral. Yeah. Gotcha. So, anyways, oh, so, so she was like jumping when I was putting it in. Yeah. And I still managed to get in, but then like her vein ran away. Oh. So the IV team actually like they came in and the, I was watching him and he was like explaining it to me as if I had never done it before, which I really liked. Yeah. Because she was he was like going through everything, like how you sign in, how you check the order, how you do this. Yeah. And um, he actually went for the exact same vein, just a little bit above. Okay. And he. He was more aggressive than I was. Okay. See, I was, like, trying to be less aggressive. Yeah. Because, well, I didn't want to go that far down. Yeah. But he chased it down. Because we needed the access. Yeah. So... I think I would have gotten it if I would have been more aggressive. Sure. Whereas, like, I go a little bit, because, like, I'm always scared of going through the vein. So right. I go in at this, like, 
almost parallel. Five degree. Yeah. Yeah. Like very not because some the one mistake I see people make is they mm-hmm. go in at too much of an angle, so you go right through the vein. Yeah, and that hurts when you blow the vein. Yeah. I've been someone who's had their vein blown. Oh, okay. And when I went to the ED. Um, they, oh, okay. she blew my vein like right away and it hurt. <laughs> and when you're in a hurry, that's a common mistake. It is. But yeah. it's like, and it is painful and we don't think about how much it hurts. Like when I'm giving a flu shot to someone, I'm not thinking about it, but I just got my flu shot a couple days ago mm-hmm. and it did hurt, mm-hmm. you know? So like I'm, you're not thinking about it when you're the one stabbing people, but like it's good to think about it. I try to. Yeah. I try to like always think like, I think that's one of the biggest things to like help us like not get jaded and like keep us, you know practicing best patient care is that like you got to put yourself in their shoes and Mm -hmm. like and like that was you know we'll talk about this more later but like when I was just in the hospital like one thing for me that shocked me was like how much heparin shots sting like oh I've never had a heparin shot I hadn't either and like the needle is super 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 teeny tiny so like I gave a million heparin shots in um in uh our clinicals, like when we were student nurses. Oh, I gave and them, yeah, I give them all the time. I, I gave them all that. the time because they're like, they're like, oh, these are the teeniest, tiniest needles. And everybody, all the nurses were kind of like, oh, these are just super teeny tiny. Oh my God, it burns. Oh, so really? Bad. I, I would know. rather get a million flu shots. And I don't mean to scare anyone off. It wasn't that bad. I'm being very dramatic right now. But like, the it's like the, the shot itself does not hurt. You do not feel the needle. It's like a pin. It's, it's so teeny tiny. But the fluid itself, hurts <laughs> like it stings it's I like did not know that yeah it's like if you um have a paper cut and then you put hand sanitizer t- hand sanitizer on that's what it feels like okay yeah and so like i mean it goes away fast just like a paper now cut what people does, refuse but them it all the time. sucks yeah it sucks um so you know just like things like that so now i try you know i gave one the other day and i was like but you know putting myself in in their shoes and just you know like okay you, you're gonna feel a little burn you know like but yeah i, I agree that it's easy to not think of that mm-hmm. and I think that we need to remember that like I haven't been sucks. in the hospital in, right. in since I was in like seventh grade that was the first time I've ever so, been in the hospital yeah you know? so like I don't I some of these things that mm-hmm. I do to people I I've never remember my preceptor feeling. has never had an IV oh really yeah and so I was just like that blew my mind I was like oh my god I've had like pff, at least 20 IVs in my life oh really yeah oh no not me yeah I can only think of like three. Okay, no, I've had yeah. I've had uh, maybe twenty is pushing it, but like more than ten. Wow, that's crazy. I've had like ten surgeries, <laughs> and then all minor, but um, or procedures, you know, like mm-hmm. endoscopies and stuff. Mm. And then um, I've been to the ED a couple times, wh- where they give me fluids. Yeah. And then just a couple times with this surgery, you know, mm-hmm. I had just just in that, I feel like I got like four IVs just in from my lap coli. But, um, anyways, getting off on a tangent. Yeah, girl. Yeah. Let's focus here. Let's focus. Yeah. I feel like we are talking for a long time. Yeah, I think we're pretty close to wrapping this up. Um, we had some other procedures we were going to talk about, but maybe we'll save that for, for another, episode. another episode. The one thing about IVs, though, if you are a person that doesn't work in the medical industry, or, like, as a nurse or whatever, just, if your IV is hurting you... It is very important you tell your nurse. Yes. You're not going to sound like a baby. Even though I said, like, I was talking about that patient earlier. I mean, it was obvious what was happening. There was a whole bunch of psychosocial issues that were totally different. Right. But, like, in general, if your IV is hurt, it should not hurt you. Are you going to feel a little cold? Mm -hmm. Yes. Is it? But if it's starting to burn. Yeah. 
get warm, be painful to the touch, be painful to move, you should always let your nurse know. Mm -hmm. You know, that is right into your blood. You can, people can die from getting an IV. And I'm not trying to scare anybody, but like, it's a real thing. Yeah. I mean, if it infiltrates, if you get an infection, you can get sepsis. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and that's... If it just hurts a little bit and you catch it right away, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, when I was in the hospital, not to get off on a whole nother tangent, mm-hmm. but the same thing, my IV started to hurt. And I remember, like, I I told two different nurses about it because I wanted to get two opinions. And, like, it didn't look infiltrated at all. And, you know, I think a little bit of this was being a nurse as a patient, knowing a little bit too much. Um, and what I think it ended up being was that I don't think it was taped very well. And mm. so it was really heavy and it was kind of pulling on my – the it. needle was pulling we'll you don't have a needle anymore, but the catheter was being yeah. pulled a little bit. Um, and so once I kind of like readjusted and taped it and kept my arm and repositioned my arm, it felt a lot better. Mm. Um, because, but yeah, but you know, don't be afraid to speak up. You know, it's, you have to be your, your um, biggest advocate. Yeah. You, you have to, you know, and I think that's one reason why we really wanted to make this podcast to kind of empower people. Um, so you can be advocates. Um, I know that's the reason I wanted to get into healthcare. You have to be an advocate. Okay, Michelle is freaking out about football right now. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Anyways. Um, but, yeah, you know, so so those are um, a couple procedures that nurses do that maybe you didn't realize that nurses do or maybe you did and you didn't know much about it or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so those are all three things I have not done yet. <laughs> but will hopefully by next week. One of which I have not done. Mm-hmm. I, and I hope I don't have to. I do not like... <laughs> Um, the tubes. Yeah, just, NGs. Yeah, I do not. I am super excited to do all of them, but we'll see. We'll see when I get that opportunity. So anyway, so thank you for tuning in episode six. Um, please don't forget, if you wouldn't mind, we would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe Helps on iTunes. It does. And also... Interact um, with us on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Our posts and stuff. I've put up a couple questions. Mm-hmm. Virtually nobody's answered any. Facebook <laughs> and Instagram. Yeah. Um, let's let's so, connect. Yeah. Some DM. Slide into our DMs, guys. Yeah, slide into our DMs. Let us know. Um, what you want or just write in those comments. If you're bold, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. If you shy, we got you. If you bold, we got you. Uh, let us know what you want to hear. What, let us know what you like, what you don't like. Anyways, I'm Erin. And I'm Michelle. And this has been Our Energy. Energy. Bye. Bye.